Welcome to Phone Booth Fighting, everybody, a free weekly podcast. As you know, if you are a regular subscriber, covering the world of mixed martial arts and beyond with myself, Richard Hunter, and my trusty partner to my left. It's me again, Frank. It's you again, Frank Mir. We are, uh, we're not on the phone this week, so we're getting closer. We're making our way back to the studio However, uh, today, this afternoon, as we tape, we are in the Grand Hall of Stately Mirror Manor because uh, you had a lot of family stuff going on today, and uh, I was busy uh, tearing my hair out, worried about getting in a fight in a couple of weeks at home. I was hiding under the blankets. You coaxed me out, at least as far as your home. So here we are, and we just decided we would tape here. Plus, there's always a masseuse here. And we don't get that at the studio, so <laughs> we could. Yeah, yeah, we could. He travels. Suppose we could. Suppose we could. I, I know it would. We have had Ruben at the, the studio. Be a tax write-off. Yeah, that's true. He has. He has been up to the studio, but he's setting up his table just uh, feet from where we are taping. All right, Frank. So uh, here we are, the second year in a row, where we find ourselves in the fall, both fighting mere weeks from each other. Yes. Now, thus far, I would say yours has <coughs> probably gotten the most talk. Uh, it could have at this point. Maybe. Yeah. It's never too late. Though. Just in terms of mainstream media. Yeah. But, uh, you know, there's definitely an underground buzz with mine. Uh, Frank fights on Friday, October 25th. He's got a rematch with Roy Nelson that's been eight years in the making. And I've got a fight on October 12th. And that's going to be here in Las Vegas. And boy, I now know the pressures that you speak of when you fight at home because I'm having to deal with tickets, like getting tickets to people because we're actually selling tickets to the fight. So it's different in that I'm not giving comp tickets to people, but it's similar in a way that I'm also having to be like play ticket broker kind of. Are they having you sell tickets? Yeah. Yeah. That's how the coaches are getting paid basically. So. You know, which is fine. I wanna, I wanna do that. And, did they do that know, last season too? Help give back. They didn't, but it was free, so there was no. See, this year we're on a tough enough card, so this is like right. proper amateur sanctioning, and consequently, you would not believe the battery. Well, you would believe, but anybody under the age of thirty-six would not believe that's ever done this. The battery of tests that I am having to go through. Um, yeah, at least you know you don't have anything coming. That's the way I look at it when I'm sitting there for hours upon hours taking all those strange tests. Yeah. That because I'm old now. Yeah. I'm like, well, at least if I had a tumor, <laughs> they'll find it. They would find it. <laughs> I think they're trying to tell you something. I think they're like, listen, you're still going to do that. Like, we're, we're making this as difficult for you as we're, we can. Uh, we're trying to give you a hint to jump through all these hoops, and you're dumb enough you're still doing this? Okay. I'm curious what it's going to be like when I hit 50 if I'm still fighting, like. Oh, man. What if they added a second tier to that? I mean, you would think that it's just you, yeah. exponentially harder. Yeah. Well, I'll, I think someone told me it does. Well, then you know, Maurice Smith was still fighting like at 51. Really? Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, I think that someone said something along the lines of, if it might have been him, that like you basically have to have a doctor sign off personally or something off of you. Uh, or, 
it was something where like really like a lot of hoops to jump through. Well, that's a perfect excuse then for me to get out of the fight game at 49. There you go. Do you know my opponent? So my opponent has found out that we're fighting each other. It's not like you and Roy Nelson where they, uh, they start promoting this thing months in advance because doing Wimp to Warrior last year, we didn't know who we were fighting until the day before. It was like getting picked for dodgeball. Like everybody's still standing there and they're just picking them two at a time and you're waiting for your number to get called. Well, this year, uh, because it is like a properly sanctioned amateur fight, they sent us bout agreements and we have to sign the bout agreements, and we have to get MMA ID cards. There's some other stuff involved. Anyway, my opponent's name was on my bout agreement. So when I went to the gym the next day, and he's like my closest friend in the whole program too. So when I saw him, he's like, hey, did you get the bout agreement? I'm like, yeah. Did you get one? Yeah. <laughs> he goes, and I, I kind of, I just did the math because we're the same weight, you know, we're definitely not the same age, but we're the same weight. And um, I kind of did the math, figured we'd be fighting each other, but he was surprised. He thought maybe they'd be going outside the program uh, to get him an opponent. And I said, you all right with it? And he goes, I guess. He's like, uh, he's like uh, I was just, I don't know, I was kind of hoping I'd be fighting somebody I didn't know, you know. You know, it's funny. That, that makes it so much easier. It's strange. It's weird when I say that because – I've punched my friends way more than I've punched my enemies. Yeah. When you think about it, everybody you roll with and train with, you're, you're, you're training a lot more than you're ever live fighting. Mm-hmm. So you would think you'd be used to it, but there's just that extra gear that you, you kick it into when it's a real fight mm-hmm. that, you know, it's sometimes you, you think it's going to be difficult leading up to it because you're in this frame of mind. You're sitting there going, Matt, you know, how do I with a four ounce glove throw full blast at my buddy's face. And then when the fight occurs, you forget that it's your friend or not your friend or an enemy. Like all of it just starts becoming just X's and O's. And just like I always tell people, it becomes a math problem. Mm-hmm. I'm just, okay. I'm trying not to get hit and I'm trying to hit him mm-hmm. <laughs> hard enough to, or choke them to where they don't want to fight anymore. I can't decide. I, I think it, and I have not fought a complete stranger because that's not the way the Went to Warrior program works. I mean, these are people that you've trained with. So I don't know if I would prefer that. But I can say at least with this year, having I've now been matched up with somebody that I have sparred with extensively, which was different than last year because the guy last year, I'd only sparred maybe two rounds ever with him. So this year I've, had a lot, I've got a lot more experience with uh, – his name is Darnell. Got a lot more experience with Darnell. I think I kind of prefer it because there's just a, a physical familiarity there. Yeah. You and know, I, well, I, you probably feel it just from your days of doing jujitsu. Mm-hmm. You know, you can have a killer on the mat and you're not that nervous. Mm-hmm. You've rolled with him enough times and even if you lose every time. But when it's the new guy that comes through the door and you clap hands and you're going to, there's like a new surge of adrenaline mm-hmm. dump because, you know, it's unknown territory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he, he is definitely like, so, he's definitely the most improved guy that we've had the whole season. He was good to start with, but he's like the guy that's gotten the most out of it. You know, like the guy who was already explosive and, you know, had some good, uh, athletic attributes, none of which I've ever had in my life, but, uh, he's, he already had that, but, um, uh, 
I think I've got the, here's the one psychological advantage I think I've got over him is he asked me how old I was. And this was like weeks, maybe a month so back. And I told him and he was like, I was arguing with everybody in here. He's like, I was like, he's like in his late thirties. And he's like, I found out you're damn near 50. (laughs) It's exactly the way he said it, which is rough to hear. But I think in that sense, I was like, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Respect your elders. Don't hit me in the face. (laughs) Pretty well preserved for somebody that's, you know, probably actually in the uh, second quarter of the second half of life, to be sure. You You know, we're talking about age because, you know, now that I've turned 40. I was actually having dinner with friends of ours. Uh, our kids are, are, are Cage and Butter are, are, are super close, best friends. Uh, Mike and Bridget uh, uh, make sure uh, that you know that they're. Uh, um, we were having dinner and talking, and um, you know they're also in their forties and. Uh, we were talking about different parents or different family members, uh, that just the way they were conducting themselves. And I was like, man, how do you not have paranoia? Like when I go to sleep at night lately, <laughs> last six months, I freak out. I've had like almost like straight on straight panic attacks where I get up and go to the bathroom and I sit on the toilet because I'm like, man, have I done enough with my life? Am I a good enough father? Have I been mm. a good enough husband? And, uh, you know, just, just freaking about the age thing. And then, you know, with those things also starts coming with, well, I'm that much closer to, to, to not being on, the, to not existing yeah. anymore, you know? And then uh, the one thing, though, that kind of, like, soothes me a little bit is guys such as yourself. You know, like, uh, the other day I was looking at Keanu Reeves. He's, like, 52 years old. Mm-hmm. And I look at him, like, mm-hmm. all right, you know, if you take care of yourself, you can prolong what you look like and, and how, yeah. you, how healthy you stay and you're relatively, you know, like, I mean, now I – mean, my physical conditioning, I do at GCS, man, it's the hardest condition I've ever done in my life. Mm. There's times I'll get done with a workout. Like I'm jumping over things with one leg, landing on one leg, jumping again. That When I'm done, I just sit there. I'm like, there's just no way. I would have thought at 40 years old I could ever mm-hmm. complete this, do this you know, kind of workout. Like I would, I would tell you that a 40-year-old, nah, your body can't hold up to that. It's going to fall apart. So... Uh, the whole age thing is just it's it's definitely moved guys like yourself you know who are now 49 almost 50 like i don't know but i remember my own wife was 45 i don't remember grandma's looking like that when i was a kid you know what i mean yeah someone told you they were your grandmother and then i've done the math i I always say doing the math because i always do that i'll sit there and go okay now i'm 40 and my son is is this age well when my dad was when, when i was you know 13 you know my dad was you know 35 mm-hmm. you know i'm sitting there going oh wow i really thought my dad was a full-grown man right and then i realized yes. i'm like oh man my dad was not a full-grown <laughs> man he was a kid i'm still waiting to become a full-grown uh, full-grown man myself i know at 40 <laughs> that is so true you know how i start measuring it is you get to a certain point in your age and there are th- like you'll hear things like, uh, you know, I don't know, like, uh, you know, the, the U.S. government is going to declassify all of the remaining Kennedy assassination files in the year 2050. Like, I don't know if that's a thing, but just as an example, and I'll hear it and I'll go, hmm, 
I'd really like to see those. I hope I get to see those. You know, like you start doing them. I'll tell you the one that's really uh, has actually. What year are you born? Uh, seventy. So seventy. Oh yeah. So people. Yeah. I do that too with the numbers of stuff when they mm-hmm. sit there. Like you know, you hear like, oh, climate change. Mm-hmm. This is going to occur by twenty fifty, and I'll start going. Wait a minute. I'll be seventy. How old am I going to be? <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you the one that's really resonating with. Me. I should use this as the example first. So as uh, everybody knows, your family, mine, we both love Disneyland. And when Jennifer and I were at Disneyland last, I was doing the uh, math because they were having the 50th anniversary of the Haunted, uh, the haunted uh, Mansion. And so we were enjoying that and everything. But I was thinking, you know, they opened Disneyland in 1955. So the centennial anniversary is going to be in 2055. And I can make it, maybe. Maybe 85? Yeah, I mean, I'm maybe, you know. I mean, I f- hopefully, if everything, you know, I mean, obviously I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm a clean liver, and, you know, age expectancy gets further and further. So, I mean, I feel pretty good about yeah. that. But I can't say it's a slam dunk, you know what I mean? I can't go, oh, great, I, I look forward to friends, that. If I had to guess somebody who would live to be 85, it will be you. Thank you. But still, you know, it's like I can't, because used to, you would hear something like that, and you'd be like, hey, well, we got to go to that. Like, that's not even a question. <laughs> and now it's like, well, okay, hopefully. And then the other thing is, hopefully when I get there, I'll know I'm there. Like, I'll be able to appreciate it. I told Jennifer when we were there, I'm like, well, you'll be fine. I said, you you can go. You know, like, you may be, <laughs> may be pushing me around this place, but you'll be able to go. Hopefully by the time the, uh, the wheelchair will be electric. Yeah, exactly. It'll just be like, you know, thought controlled. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, what kind of shape do you think you'll be in? Oh, Jesus. Because well, I'll know. be, okay, so I will be in, how old will I be then? Well, it's going to be what year? 55? 55. So 70. That would be 70. 15. I'll be, oh, so I'll be 85. So you'll be 75. Yeah. Yeah. The one shitty part about our society, well, I say shitty, and I, and, and I get to be on the benefiting side of it. There's a direct correlation between health and money. Mm-hmm. Yep, just, there is. Yep, that's you know, true. The more money you have, the more access I have mm-hmm. to treatments that other people can only fantasize about. Yeah. You know, for example, after the fight, I'm actually going to Colombia to go do stem cells. Oh yeah. With a bioaccelerator. Most people can't even fathom mm-hmm. to be able to put together the finances or the resources to mm-hmm. do that. You know. So, in one sense, you know, um, I have not lived a cleaner life as you have. <laughs> and since I'm kind of an extremist with energy drinks and, and coffee, I sometimes worry. I like cigars. Uh, but I can, you know, hopefully count on that off with the fact that I relatively eat healthy now and, mm-hmm. and I really don't do any crazy decisions anymore. Uh, I can't even remember the last time I put a, an illicit drug in my body. Uh, yeah, I don't know. 75? Pushing it, but I think I might be able to make it. Do you know how mad I'm going to be if we're at Disneyland's 100th anniversary and you're 10 years younger than me and dancing down the street because you got some kind of stem cells or yeah, something like that? By that time, I'll be like a cyborg. I'm yeah. genetically engineered knees and hips. And, <laughs> and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be on that rascal scooter <laughs> going, well, if he didn't have all that stem cell, 
You yeah. wouldn't look anything like that. That stuff's interesting. I can't yeah. wait to actually have uh, the, the people I'm talking to about it. Mm-hmm. David, uh, when he comes down, I'm going to have him come on the show to talk because I feel like that's an area that, like, <clears throat> even now when I talk to people about, oh, I'm going to do stem cells, like, oh, man, you're going to leave the country, you got to be careful. People get real apprehensive, you know. Oh, you know, I heard this and heard that, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that <laughs> I notice that anytime something's not allowed in the U.S., you know, or heavily uh, uh, sanctioned, there's a lot of bad information about it out there. It seems like it's a way of getting people not to want, you know, you have to control the masses. And so misinformation seems to be the best way. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think that's too, that's some of the, I think that's some of the American exceptionalism too, which I, I, (coughs) you know, I think in plenty of instances is warranted. I think there's many, many things we can talk about having the best of and, situations where somebody else isn't even close and second place and things like that but i also think that sometimes the downside of that is to just assume that if it's american it's got to be the best there's no other conceivable way you know it's it's just anything that could exist any i mean like the metric system that's not life and death but you know we're the only people who are like nah i mean and it is irrefutably not the best way to measure <laughs> right. shit. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so I think maybe that factors into it too. Yeah, I think you're right. Well, you know, and I always when anybody tells me oh, America's number one, I'm like, ah, when we make the most money at something, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, if there's financial gain behind it, yeah. then absolutely. Yeah, um, it's capitalism, man. Uh, but. If it's sometimes for the betterment of a, you know, well, I mean, look at now some of Trump's uh, uh, regulations, you know, deregulating some of our, um, you know, obviously he's, he's laying havoc to the EPA, mm. uh, but uh, uh, I think it's up in Alaska now that they had areas that were reserved, you know, natural resources or, you know, uh, right. protected lands, and they're rolling that back so we can drill and oil in them. Uh, uh, that's obviously for profit, and so yeah. No, it's like that's like cashing in your four hundred one k. You know, it yeah. puts money in your bank account right now. Yeah. But it's also one of those things too that you know has a a multi level effect because I mean that's the very definition of an ecosystem. It's like if you take one little thing, if you take this algae out of this ecosystem, you may be thinking hey, it's just algae. Yeah. Watch the domino effect. Watch what starts happening. Yeah, that's very true. And that's, uh, that's the dif- I think that's the definition and the difference of a long-term plan versus a short game. So speaking of short game and back to the fights, like I said, we're only a few mere weeks away here from uh, – now you're going to be fighting in Connecticut. What's your plan? Are you leaving like a week beforehand? What are yeah, you going to be doing? Yeah, I leave on that Monday mm-hmm. before the Friday. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll probably have a lot of PR and stuff. And mm-hmm. uh, in Connecticut, I probably won't do much there. I can fathom or I can foresee that I'm probably going to be in New York, probably doing a lot of PR for the fight. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, well, you know, we talked about it a few weeks back when it was announced. Um, anything changed in your mind since then in terms of the, the, the matchup or the familiarity or the challenges at this point or anything like that? No, you know, I just had, well, I mean, I guess, yes. Cause um, it's funny my mind is constantly evolving and moving to the next thing. So now I have people like, hey, I heard your interview. I heard this. I'm like, uh-huh. Oh, yeah, that's what I was thinking a month ago. That's not yeah. what I'm thinking now. Yeah. 
Or, you know, what are you thinking now? Um, well, now it's just another fight. You know, I have mm. to go in front of somebody and fight them. And all the reasons if I didn't want it to happen, uh, that's too late now. I can't, mm. can't consume myself with that. Mm-hmm. I'm just focusing on what his strengths and weaknesses are and, and what formulas I need to come up with, what I need to do to make sure I become victorious. What do, you, do you have anything that you find you almost habitually go through in the lead-up process? Because even in my little two-fight career, one thing I've noticed that I'm doing, which I'm doing at exactly the same point as I did last time, and I think I'm done. I think I've finished it the last couple of days. But about two weeks out, I'm going, okay, what in the hell am I doing? Like, I mean, that's your profession, so I'm not saying you're necessarily thinking that. But I realized, oh, this is like a cycle. Like, I did this the last time. Now, I've got legitimate dings and dents and things that are hurt, you know, over the course of doing this for the months that I've done it. So it's not all in my imagination. I mean, I've had injuries I had to nurse and stuff like that. But I also realize that when those things start happening, now I'm playing a mental game with myself where it's like, yeah, those are real. Those are happening but you still belong here. You still, and I'm not saying those are your exact no, things, but I'm just wondering if there are things no, where you're extremely like. Extremely similar. Extremely yeah? similar. Yeah. yeah. What, what, what well, do you process? Because sometimes when I get close to a fight, especially because, I mean, hell, all but two of my professional fights have been in UFC or Bellator, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So uh, from pretty much day one, I mean, my first professional fight was in July, and I was in the UFC by November. So mm-hmm. I had a very mm-hmm. short, mm-hmm. non-exposed career. Sometimes with the big exposures, because you got to realize the marketing aspect of the promoting aspect of a fight organization wants people to watch because if they don't watch, no one makes money. Mm -hmm. There's no fights. Mm -hmm. So there's so much to go behind a fight that make it seem bigger than what it really is. So so there's been times almost every time that background or that ambient noise that they're creating to one generate ticket sales, I'll get caught up in too. You know, I'll sit in the back, for example, you know, and all the pyrotechnics are going off and I'm getting my hands wrapped and I can hear people screaming and it just seems bigger than what it is. And that mm-hmm. can seem overwhelming. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I think that what I've, well, what I've done is focus on the reality of it. Am I out there with the crowd? Am I fighting 10,000 people? Well, no. Mm-hmm. If you erase those people, does it have any effect for or against me? No. So I focus on it. You know, mm-hmm. whatever they put on a poster, does that help or hurt me in the fight? Well, it can only hurt me if I become consumed and distracted by it. Um, can't really help me. And so <clears throat> every time I find my mind running away with me and, and getting out of control and starting to go, oh, my God. And you get those, like, overwhelming senses of feeling of dread where it's just like this is just bigger than I can handle. I break it down and be like, well, it's just me and another guy fighting each other. Mm-hmm. I've done this since I was a child. You know, uh, my first competition, I think I was six years old. You know, like, you know, uh, my first time, you know, learning a technique in a classroom in front of other people, you know, I was, in my, I was four years old. I like that. You know what I mean? And, and most people do enjoy going and training and moving around and, and learning chokes and submissions and, and throwing a knee and how to th- hit somebody properly and where to hit them. Um, that stuff's enjoyable to me. So whenever I break it down to where that's all it really is, all the other ambient distractions seem to fall wayside. But it's not a one pill magic, you know, okay, now I'm not going to have to worry about this again. 
I'll settle my mind and refocus it. And then it comes back like it's almost like a wave. Mm-hmm. Once I get past one wave, it seems like the, the, the sea is calm and everything's nice and easy. And the next thing I know, boom, here comes another monster wave of emotion that wants to just, you know, drown me. And I have to sit there logically and go, well, I'm standing in two feet of water and my feet are dug into the sand. You know, as long as I turn my shoulders to the side, I can I can get through this, you know? Yeah. I've thought about that, too, in terms of the crowd, because now this time there's going to be a bigger crowd than there was the first time that I fought. But I think that actually is where being in show business at various yes. points of my life has yes. helped. It's going to help you. Because I'm very comfortable being in front of a crowd. And you're right. I, I actually have already thought that. Like, well, this is just... This is just me and that other guy who also I've done this with before. I mean, maybe not to this exact level, but we've not only sparred, but we we've had pretty hard for our level, pretty hard sparring rounds. I mean, to the point where, you know, coaches are going, boy, you know, two of you guys really got after it for those couple of rounds or whatever. So I feel like the the work up to that is going to help because the way I try to think of it is like, you know what, if we fought in an empty gym, and I put this video online, this many people would probably click on it and see it anyway. The difference is we're just putting them all in there together and they're watching it live, but it's still the same number of, uh, of people, you know? So that kind of, that kind of helps too. Cause I noticed the first time I was surprised at how calm I was and aware and present I was doing it. It didn't turn out the way that I wanted, but there was never, I didn't, I just didn't have any of that. Like, Oh my gosh, what am I doing here in front of all these people? I don't know what to do. You know, had a plan plan just didn't work out, but still had a plan, which really to me was the big achievement at this level. The big achievement was knowing that I could go from beginning to end and get to that point, you know? Yeah. Well, it's all about the journey. I mean, we hear that and I know it's a very cliche statement, but it's so true. Because the journey of the experience are things that you can draw from it, you can carry over into other aspects of your life. And, and, and then, you know, there's always many journeys occurring at one time in our existence. And what can you pull from it? If, if all you get out of learning to take the fight is how to be a better fighter, you really miss the point. Mm-hmm. I tell people that, you know, when guys come in the gym and, you know, I have, I'll do seminars and guys are like, hey, can you know, if I pay you, you know, can you give me like a four hour crash mark? You know, I, I really want to learn how to like just, you know, fuck somebody up. <laughs> no, mm. I'm like, you're missing the point. This isn't, you know, if you want to go fuck someone up, buy a gun, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like carry a weapon, you know, like you'll be infinitely more dangerous with a lot less time uh, leveraged in. But if you want to learn how to, you know, to have some tools on how to defeat yourself, how to make you a better human being, you know, like, and, and how to overcome adversity in, in, in different uh, situations and deal with different emotions. Well, then, yeah, then let's learn how to fight because here this will accelerate and, and put into play all these things that in life that usually only when life throws us a curveball do we have the opportunity to try to grow from and deal with and, and even through, you know, failure, can we, uh, you know, regrow and grow stronger? But now we're having actual designated days where we're going to have those experiences where we're going to either rise to the occasion, fall, fall on our face, and then we can grow from it. You know, and that's really what I think, you know, fighting on the professional level has, has been for me and for everybody else should be. Mm-hmm. Yep. Do you think there's anything, um, 
I guess I'll, I'll make this the final question. Do you think there's anything, because you're fighting somebody who is actually a couple of years older than you at this point. You've both been around as long as you have and all that kind of stuff. Is there anything, like if you were fighting a younger guy, just somebody who's more typical, let's say, of somebody who would be at that point in their MMA career or whatever, do you think there's there's already a a processed segmented difference in your mind even if it's in your subconscious where you're like well you know in the same spot we've both been around the block so many times we've both fought each other once like there's just stuff you're not even considering or thinking about as opposed to if it was somebody where you're looking at kind of like you were thinking about how old your dad was when he had your you know had you or something like that where you would be looking at a generic opponent going man this guy's only 30 years old like yeah, uh, actually, I have the advantage that I'm also now in my 40s. You mm-hmm. know, had I've been fighting somebody who was, I think, Roy's 42, mm-hmm. and I was still 30, mm-hmm. I would have a hard time understanding his mind. Mm-hmm. Whereas when I fight a 30 year old, I was 30 once too. I know what he's thinking. Okay, right. I could put myself there. Uh, <clears throat> one thing that's really changed around for this fight was. You know, and I think I put some of my social media and stuff. I really have been paying much more closer attention to having my strength and conditioning. Mm, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I've had a couple guys here and there over the years, but probably the last time I had somebody that I gave this much control to was uh, Mark Philippi. And if anybody goes back through my history, you can see what leaps and bounds that did for my, uh, you know, my strength and power and physique and my body weight. Mm-hmm. So now with a guy, Mel Spicer, uh, I've also done the same thing and. A year ago today, I was really contemplating retiring just mm-hmm. because, fuck, my body hurt all the time. I mean, I have to walk downstairs a certain direction. You know, my training on the mat, I would clap hands with people, and my objective wasn't to win. My objective was just not to get more hurt. Mm-hmm. And I was like, uh, how do I, you know, uh, move around, don't get my ass kicked, you know. Yeah. You know, if, if I see an opportunity, maybe I'll jump on it. It's like my approach to relationships. But I just don't, yeah. <laughs> I just don't want to walk out of here with another mm-hmm. injury. Yeah. Uh, and I really thought, like, well, that's just it, man. If you're not on drugs and you're 40 years old, this this is just reality. <clears throat> you know, just, just it is what it is. But then training with Mel and then really, you know, being serious about the weight training and all the different, like, you know, uh, Pilates training he has us do and just all kinds of things that I would never do. Some of my workouts now, I I was telling you earlier off camera, the warm-ups seem to me, in my mind, I'm like, oh, I can't do that. Like, you know, I'm 280 pounds and I'm jumping over top of things with one leg landing on one leg, holding a position without putting my other foot down, and then changing directions to jump off in another direction and doing it for reps. Uh, so that's the one advantage, really. I, I thought about the other day as I was moving around and someone was watching me like, man, I can't believe you're 40. Like, the way you're moving, I'm all, hell, if you would have saw me six months ago, I moved like a very beat-up version of a 40-year-old. Mm-hmm. I, like, I, I'm amazed. I... I didn't think, honestly, I wish I could say that I bought into it from the beginning when Mel was like, no, come on, you're not, you're not old yet. You know, let's, let's. I'm like, ah, whatever. <laughs> I'll, I'll do it, but I don't have faith in this, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And then uh, it's probably about three weeks ago, James was and I were sitting there talking. He was looking at me. He's all, I can't believe it. one of the workouts we went through. And 
you know, at the end, James was sitting there, you know, and just like, are you shocked at yourself that you just did what we just did? I'm like, yeah, I am. I'm a little, I'm blown away that my body's holding up. Uh, he goes, I wonder if Roy's doing anything like this. I'm all, nope. <laughs> if I yeah. know anything about Roy, yeah. uh, no, not at all. You know, and that's one thing about Roy, you know, he's a very smart guy. But if you watch his fights over the years, his strengths are his strengths. His weaknesses are his weaknesses. He's never closed the gap. He's never tried to improve. There's never been – no one has ever said Roy 2.0 in mm-hmm. his whole career. Right, right. He's never tried to reinvent or add or, or to change things around. And it's not like Roy's John Jones where it's like, well, you never lose a fight. Stay the same guy. You know, yeah, yeah. You know Roy is, has had you know, you know, adversity in his, his career. Uh, and so I think that's one huge advantage I have going into the fight is that I have been humble enough to, you know, to listen to people that maybe necessarily I didn't agree with to begin with, that I already had a preconceived notion that, nah, 40-year-old athlete is still a 40-year-old athlete. Mm-hmm. And then, no, 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 give us some hard work and effort. And if you buy in, if you at least show up and do what I tell you to do, <clears throat> we'll get through this. And uh, you'll see the dividends paying off. And, and now I'm like, wow, I, I'm, I'm shocked. Now that is going to create some excitement and anticipation for October 25th right there. That testimonial. That's when Frank fights. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll probably be taping again in uh, the next couple of days because we got some training to yep. do. Yep. And uh, <coughs> you got to are doing some more of your little uh, – you have your foundation down. Mm-hmm. Now it's strategy training the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. So now it's time to, yeah, now's the time to actually think about strategy and game planning and stuff like that, right? All right. Well, Absolutely. I'm glad I have you here for that. I'll get you through it, man. <laughs> Kicking and screaming, we'll get you through it. <laughs> it's the yin and yang of our uh, our ever-evolving relationship. You, but, do, but, you do for me what, uh, it's like when you did stand-up for the first time. I was going to say, right? that's a good, yeah. you read my mind. Yeah. Remember, you are going to have a less of an impact your heart's going to be racing the night of the fight, but if it's any consolation to you, just know that Darren's heart's going to be racing a lot harder. Yeah. For several factors. One, losing to a 49-year-old is a lot worse than losing to, what is it, 28? <laughs> He's 27, I think. 27-year-old yeah, yeah, kid yeah. does not want to lose to a 49-year-old man. He doesn't even want to look bad to a 49-year-old man. <laughs> That adds pressure. People do that to themselves all the time. Yeah. They start adding. It is what it is. It's just a fight. But then they start adding these outside things. Plus, you've been in front of through the comedy. Just like yeah. I remember yeah. when I did my comedy act, I'm sure that other guys making their debut would have been a lot more nervous. Yes. yes. Was I nervous? Yeah. I was still in the back pacing. Was I overwhelmed? No. Mm-hmm. I've fucking fought in front of yeah. you know, 20,000 people before. You know, millions on camera. You know? Um, and that helped. Mm-hmm. And so it will. It's going to help you too. Like you do have a distinct advantage. What what he has in age, you have an experience, even though it's not the same experience mm-hmm. of fighting. It's still experience being in front of people. And again, anybody from any other sport can probably relate to this. You have that guy that like in football, they have the combine, right? These guys that, you know, they jump 41 inches and they, they run a 4-2 something. And they're like, wow, this guy's incredible. Then you put pads on him and put the cameras on. And he can't even stay on the scout team, you know what I mean? Because when, because the the, the ambient noise of the crowd, you know, ah, that guy can't rise to the occasion now. It, it cripples them. So that that influence and be able to operate under that kind of duress is actually a very important skill to hone. 
Well, fortunately, uh, fortunately, I got that going for me. All right, let's end on that high. Uh, Frank, last thing. Tell everybody how to follow us on social media, that little piece of business. Oh, faints. Ah, it's been a little bit. You can follow us on uh, Facebook and Instagram at mm-hmm. Phone Booth Fighting, mm-hmm. Snapchat and Twitter at Phone Booth Fight. And what about the Amazon banner on the front of PhoneBoothFighting.com? Uh, the Amazon banner is one of the easiest ways to help us support us here at the show. By clicking on PhoneBoothFighting.com on our Amazon banner, it transports you to the Amazon page. So at that point, any of the shopping you do, a small percentage of your purchases at no extra cost to you actually comes back to here at the show. Please do that for us, won't you? And tell a friend. Tell a friend about this Phone Booth Fighting podcast we do. Yep, and then something you're going to start doing if you keep fighting. I'd like to thank uh, Mitrospec and uh, American Shaman and God and Ford and my sponsors. So Yes, yeah. Well, you know, I don't know how much uh, I'm giving away <laughs> and potential sponsorship opportunity, but unfortunately... Uh, uh, there might be a whole area of, you know, you turn pro at 50, they'll be like, all right, the silver wolf, you know, attacks again. You know? <laughs> oh, man. You would have to, you know what, you you would have to talk, you would have to explain that one to Jennifer. Because <laughs> so about, about halfway through this process, she said to me, she's like... You're not doing this again, are you? She's like, this is this is the one. This right? is it, right? Yeah, she's like, she's like, I mean, I still see doing the jujitsu tournaments and everything. She's watching me get out of bed, like she's like, oh, she's like ah. a, like a crippled person walking to the bathroom. Well, hey, and, when you're done, if you want to start training me with Mel, I'm telling you, man. Yeah, your joints. There's things he asks me to do that I'm like, when I first saw it happening, I'm mm-hmm. like, dude, you got to be kidding me! Mm-hmm. I can't do that. My body won't hold up to that, you know. I'll try that. And, and I even like had to go like, hey, you remember I have this, this, this yeah. injury, this injury, this is torn, this is, I got arthritis in this area. He's like, yeah, yeah, I remember. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, go. Mm-hmm. I'm like, shit, <laughs> okay. I'll try because you know, I mean, I'm gonna keep doing jiu-jitsu and climbing up the belt yeah, system I'm and everything. Physically so, fitness, yeah, for sure, I want to do that. It's fun to walk down the yeah. stairs and not hold onto the rail yeah. and walk sideways, you know. Yeah, I'll look forward to that. All right. For Frank Mir, I'm Richard Hunter. We'll see you right back here next time on Phone Booth Fighting. Everybody was Kung Fu Fighting. Those kids were fast as lightning. In fact, it was a little bit frightening. But they fought with.